Red Dice Diaries podcast, a rambling journey through the wonderful world of RPGs by a longtime GM and player. The music at the start of this podcast is Shinigami by Tarek, used under Creative Commons license. I'm joined by Yanis Pavola and Lloyd Jan, and we're going to talk about combat in RPGs. How much of a place does it have in RPGs, how important it is, and all manner of stuff like that. This is Lloyd here. Guys, when you are picking the role-playing game you are going to run, how much does the combat influence what you pick? Obviously, combat tends to happen in like pretty much all RPGs, give or take, like maybe a couple. I think even if you're not going for like a system-heavy game, how the how the combat's going to work with your story is quite important. You have to at least sort of have half a mind to how it's going to work and whether it's going to work with the type of game that you're trying to do. Whether you're going for something that's like a bit more sort of tactically based or whether you're going for something that's a bit more sort of story based. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say that uh, like for some games, I, I wouldn't necessarily call whatever violence tends to take place, whether that's about like in, in the game or in the genre that it's trying to go for. Uh, I'm specifically thinking of Cthulhu here. So if if you have violence in Cthulhu, I don't know if I would call it a combat per se, because to me, like combat sounds like there there's people fighting on even ground, and usually that's maybe not the case uh, in like mythos games, because you you tend to run up against like ridiculous bullshit that, and you're just a human. Well, can I make a can I make an addendum? Can we call it yeah. conflict resolution then? I, I, I think that's obviously like a, a wider issue, isn't it? Because as Johannes was saying, I mean, let's face it, it's, it, if you're in like a Cthulhu game and you're fighting against some like horrible mythos beast, it's not going to be a combat in the same way as like if you're playing like a D&D style game and like you're fighting against a group of orcs or whatever. So with the best one in the world, you ain't going to like whip out your broadsword and like hand Cthulhu's ass to him, are you? So like to return to your original question, I think like whatever the conflict resolution thing is and and this is sort of like like we're moving on from combat here but uh like conflict resolution sometimes almost equals the game itself because games tend to revolve around conflict right and like those little pieces that you resolve through the system mechanisms kind of equal the game uh like for fighting and stuff uh, specifically uh i tend to be quite interested not not because i I want all my games to be about fighting and stuff, but it's usually the case of whether or not I like whatever like violence or <laughs> opera they're trying to uh, put forward. Uh, it, it probably influences whether whether or not I'm going to use the game as written. Really, like if if I don't necessarily like whatever fighting shit is in a game, probably gonna tweak it. So yeah, it's not unimportant. I wouldn't say it's a thing to think about because it comes up like like you guys said. I mean, it's quite a handy thing as well. I mean, a, a lot of sort of games I quite like sort of starting like immediate res, you know, in the middle of a, a conflict or some sort of dramatic situation like it or loathe it combat tends to be one of the, the sort of principal sources of drama in many rpgs so while we're on the subject just how much combat should an rpg get and how much is it influenced by how complicated that combat is if you're playing say for example uh world of darkness for example and uh, let's let's say world of darkness you're playing humans you gotta go beat up cthulhu whatever the heck you're doing how much does the like whole... you do 
Like you didn't know. He's there. You got a you got a broadsword. Mm -hmm. He's standing up there. Y'all gotta take it to him. Yeah. How much does that part matter in your game? I think again for me, it, it depends on the system. Cause it's like if someone if someone says to me like, all right, we're gonna play like a, a fifth edition game or whatever. I know a lot of the game is fairly tactically based. A lot of the abilities are, are based around their use in combat situations. So I'd be expecting combat to take more of a sort of central stage. Whereas if if I'm playing someone's playing like a more of a sort of story game, like um, Johannes has run a lot of Tremulous that I've played in, and the combat doesn't tend to be like a big sort of central focus of that. It happens, but it's more just as a it's more just like a a part of the story. Like there's there's two like main modes for me when it comes to this. It's either I, I want it to be just a thing among all the other things, and that usually goes hand in hand with I want it to be able to be resolved in a fairly quick manner. So like say the part by the apocalypse stuff that basically resolves most of a conflict in one row like it involves like the entire exchange of of what happens and then just gives you the end result so that that's one thing that i uh find myself going for in quite a lot of games and then there's the other end where if the game is such that it's either like a core part of the game that you are out there with your broadsword in the streets of new york city fighting cthulhu uh then like that's that's what i want to do <laughs> Like that's that's what I want to do because that's what the game is. Presuming that like you you discuss this shit beforehand and you all of you realize that it's gonna be like broadswords at dawn. <laughs> and if there's like a climactic thing going on in a game that's not specifically about combat, I I'd still like to give it a a fair amount of attention if. Let's, let's say we have the fucking final boss fight or whatever. Like, you have your arch nemesis, he's right there, and you have your broadsword. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to have some extra moments to spend on figuring out how that goes down. How about yourself, Lloyd? How important is it for your games? So, when it comes to games, right, and it comes to combat itself, I am the kind of person that likes to do, like, usually two combats in, let's say I run, like, a two-hour game. Two combats, that's about my limit. Once again, it depends on the system that I'm using. If I'm playing D&D, I can squeeze in, like, three or four combats because some games are built to do combat more. It's just broadswords all the way down. How do you discuss how much combat your players want from your game? I have an idea of what I want. I'm always like, yeah, two combats, one at the beginning, one at the end. But what if my players have come in and they're also coming in blind, they all have their own idea. Well, how do you start the conflict resolution discussion? I think that is where, cause I mean, we've talked before about like session zeros and sort of like, I know people do like, and I've done it myself, like do campaign documents and stuff like that, which obviously, yeah, if you're doing a one shot, it's an entirely different beast to doing like a, a campaign. But I think it is one of those things where like having a discussion at the start about what you're all expecting from the game and potentially like having the players like gem their characters with the gm there is very useful because as a gm you can get a lot of ideas as to what a player is expecting from a game by what they do for their character i'm not saying that should completely replace discussion but if you get someone coming into a game and they're like oh i'm gonna play fucking luke iron strong who's like a, a 
it was like a, it was like a warrior wearing like full fucking like plate mail. He's got like sixteen broadswords like strapped to his back, eighteen shields. He's got like a a cart and a retainer who's like carrying all his weapons and whatever. Then you know that that guy's going into like your game. He's playing a character that's geared towards combat. So straight away you can say right, I've got one player who's at least expecting some combat. And if everyone's like playing like warriors and also kitted out for combat. It probably means you're either playing a game that's predicated with that idea or just everyone's like combat mad in your group, which is fine because at least you'll know about it. Whereas if I've got like one guy who's like generating a, a mad combat monster and the other people are maybe going for like other stuff, I can say, all oh, right, well, I need to put some combat in to keep that guy interested, but I also need to put some other stuff in to focus on like the strengths of the other characters. I don't think I've necessarily spent too much time on talking about specifically conflict resolution as a part of session zero but it usually like that that sort of thing gets covered in in the part where we're like sitting around the table and going like okay this is what what do we want to play and like someone goes like oh world of darkness like i, I want to play vampires and then we establish that okay it's going to be a vampire game but it's not necessarily going to be like oh i have 16 dots of potions and i can punch my way back through time so like swords all the way down <laughs> okay. i'm all about them rocket propelled grenade launchers and yeah is well the darkness okay yeah fu fucking <laughs> fucking sub art newbies <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it usually, like, I find that uh, with my uh, group, this sort of thing gets, like, discussed when we are deciding on which, which game to play. So, kind of, yeah, but not, not like, specifically, like, how much combat do we want to play. Uh, but I, I think uh, I, I think there's a there's a broad understanding of if if you're gonna play a game which is uh, a factory uh, of like exquisite broadswords, then there's gonna be some swinging. <laughs> Let's say, for example, you're playing a game where combat is a very big part of the game. So your D and D or whatever you need to do in that point. How much prep? in your game do you put to combat? When you start that game up and you've got that prep, you have to make sure that enemies make sense, right? Yeah, of course. Not all games, not all games that people run can have you just make up enemies in the top of your head. If it's a game with a good, like, extensive combat thing, like GURPS or something like that, you've got to have some stats down. And how much time in your prep do you devote to building for combat? Well, I mean, I think this sort of like goes back to what we were chatting about before we actually started the broadcast when we were saying like how useful stat blocks can be in games and like how easy it is to like take a stat block that's sort of what you want and just like tweak it on the fly if you know whatever system you're running. So it's like, to, to use D&D as an example, if I'm going like, oh, okay, I want to... I know what level my party is. I know what's roughly appropriate for them, and I and I just have to like go online and find like a random like NPC generator if they're gonna like fight some fucking bandits, or I can like look in one of the many like many millions of monster manual books that there are for like some bandit stats, and I go oh well they're not really weak, or I want someone who's got like a few extra abilities. I can just tweak those stat blocks on the fly and use them to to run a fairly good combat. So I probably spend less time on the stats. Because I know that I, you can sort of get them from numerous different sources. I spend actually spend more time thinking about the elements that would make the combat more interesting than just like oh I stand opposite the guy and like whoop out my broadsword of like Cthulhu smiting plus eight and just like beat on him until he like screams uncle. So I, I tend to like think spend more time thinking about the actual like the scene that the combat's happening in. So like if I'm let's say if I'm 
running a combat that's sort of set in a barn or something or expect there's a combat going to go off there i'll be thinking like oh, like what what useful shit might there be around that like the player characters could use to like make it more interesting how could you like sort of alter the combat so perhaps there's like a a cart sat there that's got like some barrels in it or whatever so you can have people like throwing barrels at each other like kicking the cart over maybe there's like a lamp sort of hanging in the corner so like shit could get set fire to or someone could use it as a weapon and i'll just like litter a few things round that i think oh these might be cool if they're used in a combat if if the players don't use them absolutely fine but if they want to like go oh like what can i see it's not just me going oh you're in an empty barn and like the, the bandits stood opposite you were like with like his plus eight mace of like Shubnigger Athsmiting and he's he's coming at you with it. Unless it's a game where I expect to be doing a whole lot of combat, I don't really like spend a whole lot of time on it. Uh, usually, like John said, there's some templates like ready to go. And if there aren't, usually the game is going to tell you what the baseline average is for whatever shit you're doing uh and i tend to uh improvise on, off of that so like we, we've been playing a sabbat game uh with john playing in it and like there's not been a whole lot of like meaningful combat they, they've mostly been murdering people and it, it's a like a <laughs> it's a fairly unbalanced situation when an undying monster like comes at you uh with his broadsword or her broadsword and uh <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're just a regular dude with a, a pocket knife, so that, that's that's probably not going to end well. So like whenever like we, we've game, we, we've been getting into the end game now, and there's a bunch of uh, vampire on vampire violence going on, and I I just improvise uh, from like a baseline violent vampire template that I have uh, in my head for like whatever is going to happen. Like if it's a tougher dude, like yeah, maybe they'll have like a, an extra die or two to roll around. And then their like stuff will be focused on uh, whooping ass, uh, as opposed to the dude who is up in the tower going like, oh, I am king over you. And, <laughs> and then there's the dude downstairs with the fucking AKs and the machetes going like, hey, what's up? Uh, you know that that guy is gonna like wipe the floor <laughs> with you. So I sort of like, I, I improvise based on what makes sense uh, with, the, with the fiction of whatever is going on. Yeah, just to um, sorry to put in there, we've got a we've got a guy in the chat on Twitch who's making the point that Hello. on, on it <laughs> down as J Chill twenty nine. He's saying oh, on encounters, dynamic environments can help make them more interesting. Which I know we very good point. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, and I think it's talked a lot about how comfortable GMs are with like players improvising elements of their environment and i saw this discussion fairly recently on social media where someone was asking on facebook how comfortable are you with like players narrating stuff that goes on with scenes uh, and i was pretty much saying that like i'm comfortable with it to a certain extent if it makes sense i'm good with it so to use the example of the people fighting in the barn if a player is like oh, i'm walking into that barn and i'm like oh, you see your nemesis stood over in the corner being like all dark and brooding and like polishing his mace and you're like, all right, I'm going to deal with him now. Right, I'm going to, I'm going to grab hold of a, a torch that's on the wall. And even if I've not specifically mentioned a torch, it makes or a lantern, it makes sense that there might be one there. So I'd be like, yeah, sure, go with it, and let you run with it. Or if you're like, oh, I'm going to like hide behind uh, a cart, or I'm going to hide behind the horses, or try and spook the horses. I've not specifically mentioned them, but it makes sense they would be there in a barn. That's 
absolutely grand whereas if you're like oh, i'm gonna move over to the hay and i just so happen to find like a a, a wand of magic missile under it i'll be like no you fucking don't <laughs> but yeah I, I i completely agree with what the guy is saying the dynamic environments can help make combats interesting and as i was saying earlier on it tend i tend to focus more on dropping elements into a scene like that that i think might be cool to be used rather than the stats sort of so much how about yourself lloyd well like i always say i go with the flow when it comes to the combat i have the stats down i have the enemy down there and then whatever sounds cool something sounds cool i'm like oh what the heck that sounds awesome let's go with that because i like i'm a big dynamic fighter when it comes to rpgs even games with full-on stats with perfect discussions for everything else if you do something more dramatic, I'm more likely to go with it. Because I get bored of a combat where nothing changes and all you do is swing your broadsword at Cthulhu every round. I always want um. something and I encourage that, which is great. But what do you do if, one, your combat starts to drag, and two, players are starting to lose? Because that always gets a little bit odd with players. Because they're like, I'm like, okay, we guess, looking at them, okay, they're not, the guys, they're not gonna make it. They're definitely gonna get some screwed. What are the options you have in a combat when things are starting to look bad? Well, I mean, I think one of the, one of the potential things you can do is you can have the environment change in some way, like you say, to keep it sort of dynamic. So um, let, let, let's say, let's say you're fighting outside in a storm in like a forest or something. Maybe there's like a lightning strike and one of the tree falls down that tree doesn't have to hit anyone but the fact that that's happened it makes it seem like the the scenery is there for more than just like a little bit of a backdrop for the combat that's going on and because you mentioned that tree and sort of drawn attention to it one of the players might be like oh well i'm gonna i'm gonna run off that sort of like gnarled ass old tree that's like half fallen over and use it to gain some like advantage that leap on one of the opponents or the or like a roguey type might be like oh i'm gonna try and hide behind it and like disappear into the shadows come up and backstab someone uh, th there's loads of that i know there's um gothnog and his lot put out a lot of their sort of like scenic environment books which are really cool and a lot of the stuff in that is based around the idea of how can you like switch up the environment either to introduce like extra challenges or just like you say to keep things interesting so it's not just like a static background and we're talking specifically like i'm running the game yeah like because so, well, yeah. these these things don't really matter if you're playing the game because you're in the game mm -hmm. you're not really control you're just doing what's there but as a GM, if you're on the game and combat's kicking in and either it's really dragging on or the players are not looking so hot and you're like, oh, they're going down. Oh, crap, they're going down. Oh, God, they're going down. What do I do? Do I do guys? Well, I mean, to, 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 give, to give an example, like an, an actual example, uh, I was talking to Lloyd before we started this about recently being in a, a combat in like Andre's 5th edition game. And the idea started off in that is like a... It started off, oh, you've got to protect these NPCs in a village. They're under attack by, like, goblins and bugbears and stuff. So instantly that's got, like, an extra element because you've not just got to, like, romp in and, like, attack things. You've got to protect these NPCs. But then that changed when there's, like, these three massive, like, hill giants come in. And they're obviously, like, throwing giant rocks around the place and all manner of stuff that, like, giants tend to do. But as soon as they come in and you're like, all right, they can throw a rock that can, like flatten like eight people instantly you're like oh shit well maybe getting all the like npcs to like gather in that like one building wasn't such a great idea 
and once they've thrown these rocks they're then part of the terrain so you've got like people climbing up them to like gain a better vantage point you've got people like fighting around them and just introducing those extra elements changed that whole combat and so because the combat was fairly interesting anyway but it just gave it an extra little dimension like the the sovereign medicine for both of these things is I usually just escalate things like <laughs> just like yeah you're 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 about to slip like how about I I put some more fire on you uh, how does how does that work for you <laughs> and uh, with with um, with with combat dragging uh, this is one of my I, I'm gonna park my fucking like trailer here so combat dragging I find in my experience is usually because the system that is used to resolve that thing has uh like empty results it has whiffs like you're standing there with your broadsword you roll your hit you miss nothing happens then cthulhu takes the swing maybe he hits you maybe he doesn't it's your turn again what do you do you hit uh you, you swing your thing you roll your miss nothing happens that's one of my biggest mm. I, I mean i i, I, I do think against. i don't think that can be sort of like not completely less cancelled but it can be like lessened a bit by by like the GM and the player and like their description, because I know we've like we've joked about playing in a few of the the OSR games that I've run where like both like myself as the GM and like all the players have just been like rolling abysmally in like every combat. So it could just come down to the case of like you just like oh yeah we've missed, oh now he's missed, now I've missed, now they've missed. But by like sort of having other things happening in the like narration. So in the last game they're they're fighting they're fighting basically this big demon thing, not to go into like too many details. Johannes's character is like swinging away at him, not really doing much. So we've we've got things like I like the demon like grabbing his like mace in like midair and just basically like smack talking him and like telling him he's like he's nothing, he's his God's nothing. He's not important and just like ignoring him while he's just like effortlessly like holding his mace and being like, Oh yeah, is that what you're gonna hit me with? You ain't shit. Exactly. So, so stuff like that to like keep it interesting, rather than me just being like, "Oh, you missed." On to the next round. But like, just like to layer on on top of that point, there, uh, I really love games which have like resolution things, which always like do something. Like regardless of what you roll, like shit's gonna move because of the system itself. I really love those games. Uh, yeah. Because they're like effortless. Like they they take weight off your shoulders. Like you, you are free to then um, like focus on okay. So what does this mean? Uh, like how, how do I flavor the thing? Like John was talking. Except that like you already got some like springboards to jump off of instead yeah. of like going on like full out of your imagination i mean i think you're right if there's, there's certain systems that sort of have that like hard baked into like the rules system and it does make it a lot easier to do that but even with systems that don't i mean you as like the gm and like the player you can still do that but right. you maybe like have to like think around it sort of a little bit more yourselves rather than like some games which where they basically say if you get this role this is what happens and they sort of lead you through it a little bit more i suppose yeah they give you a head start on it that's it yeah you can uh, you can this is the thing right because people say oh well you just reflavor it right but you can do that with anything <laughs> and there are some games that help you do it how deep do you like your mechanics because i usually like a lighter mechanic where 
you get options of both sides, but it's not too much where I can just be like, I'll just make it up. Or do you prefer a thing whereby someone takes their turn and they literally have combat paralysis because they're like, which one of these 20 options do I want to pick? Do I, do I go for, do I go for a stabbing motion? Do I go for slicing with my broadsword? Do I do my summon and then slice my broadsword? Do I, do I like pull him towards me and go for it? Is there an overhead? Is there an underhead? How detailed do you like your mechanics in your combat to make it, does it make the game more real if there's a billion options to pick? Or do you prefer a game that just goes, do what you want, we'll figure it out afterwards. I think for me, it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act. If, if it's going to be a system where combat is going to take more of a priority, I, I do think they benefit from having sort of more options like built into the system. Whereas, but I did, like you say, I don't want to be like having players like playing it and going, oh, let me look at this. Let me look at this uh, sheet of like 50 different like weapons feats I've got and like try and work out like, oh, if I, if I use like my overhead swing and I, I'm using my like attack from cover, are those bonuses like cumulative and trying to work all this out? If, it, if it's going to be a system where you're going to have like more options in the system, I want it to just be like a few sort of like flavorful options that give your character like a few different little tricks and twists you can pull off. It's why I like, it's why I like the stunt system in Fate. Because then you don't have a shitload of stunts. You just have like a few cool stunts that have like nice little thematic things that you can do that are connected with your character. Like in Dress and Accelerated, you're not you're at most probably going to have like what maybe three, four stunts, but those are enough to like give you like a few little cool things that other characters probably can't do. So you get into a certain situation, you can be like, oh, this is my thing. This is where my character like comes into their own. Whereas you still don't have that whole sort of combat paralysis where you're like, oh, fucking hell, let me just like get out this fucking Zweihandersize encyclopedia of like combat feats that I've got. <laughs> well, you just, uh, is it more real? And I don't generally like give a shit about realism uh, in any game designs, really. Basically, the thing is, if the depth of a system is interesting, I want to like get down and dirty with that shit. I also have a, uh, a part of my brain which is like, yeah, fucking Magic the Gathering and fucking millions of card combos. Oh, yeah, give me that shit. Depth for depth's sake is, is nothing to me. Like, it's... It's it's not about like how much is there. Uh, it's, it's about like do do is is that interesting? Like does it do something to uh, hook me? That's not just like oh well uh, in the 14th century in in Italy you used to do the like pasta di falcone like this and then you uh, I I don't long sword so like send your hate mail to someone else but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't wait for the hate mail for you, wrong, wrong, sorry. It's so good. Um, and like that—that's not like I don't go in in for that. I—I uh, I find all of that extremely fascinating, uh, like FEMA and and stuff, really, really fucking cool. But I don't look for it in my games necessarily. Uh, I, I do enjoy uh, a whole lot of complexity when there's like there, there's the je ne sais quoi uh, in there somewhere. But other than that. Uh, if, if I can have my conflict resolution where I have like 16 things, uh, I'm thinking of like Blaze in the Dark and like Scum and Villainy in it right now. So like if I have like 16 things that I could do to resolve a thing and it's up to me to pick and it's gonna like flavor and like reframe the thing uh, depending on like which I choose, uh, I really like that as well. I mean, I think part of 
that comes down to as well like how many of those like abilities are going to be useful at any particular time like if you have like a page with like 16 abilities on it or whatever and you get into a combat and you're like really like three or four of these abilities are going to be used then you can have like your page full of abilities because you know that you're only going to be using like three or four of them in like any particular situation that's absolutely grand i mean i think the the, the sort of like the main sticking point for me is when you as you say when you get that sort of combat paralysis where people have to like get out the calculator and they're trying to work out like what bonuses they've got that they can add together and it, and it slows the combat down if like options are keeping a combat interesting or giving people more they can do without sort of slowing it down and making it a a, a compare the numbers sort of race then it can still be quite interesting now we're going to the we're going to the bad boy section guys when you're rolling for your npcs and messing up your characters do you do it I do it on the table, son. There's, there's one option in this question. There's only one right answer. Does that mean that you guys do not believe in any universe where fudging the die rolls so the players don't just die in the first turn I, of combat? I, 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 I don't have a problem with other GMs doing it. I just don't do it myself. Basically the same for me as well. I don't give a shit what like other people do. Uh, but like for me, like there, there's no. Mm. Okay, so this is this is how I look at this. So there's there's no reason to ever fudge because you, uh, as the game master, likely depending a bit on the game you're playing, you likely have uh, the most uh, like author authority yeah, in 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 the group at the table. So you have a fair bit of like influence on the situation as it uh, starts, as it develops, and how it ends. Like you, like John was saying, you could say a lightning strikes and a tree falls and you are separated from your enemies. And like in, in a, quite a few games, that would be an all right thing to do. <laughs> I've just seen that um, Jeremy Childry, J. Chill, has just posted that fudging dice is for kids. So I'm guessing he's like a balls to the wall, like dice on the table, man after my own heart. And mm -hmm. I, I agree with Johannes. It's like, if I go, if I go, into, if I go into a combat like, and I'm a player... Like, let's say we've been chatting about um, us about, like, blowing shit up and, like, messing around in, like, Johannes's game and, like, killing people. If I go into a combat, you can normally sort of approximately guesstimate as you go into a combat, like, what your chances are. Like, if I'm playing D&D &D and I'm, like, rolling up as, like, some 8th level fighter and I see some, like, guy who's just, like, some scumbag trying to, like, steal from my pocket in the street, I can be, like, I'm reasonably sure if I can, like, get my hands on him, I'm going to mess him up. Now, if if I like, if I'm going into some temple and like, there's there's me and like my two homies, and then there's suddenly like, eighteen cultists and like a huge like mega demon, chances not so good. If I then choose to go, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm having that mega demon. I've got my broadsword of Cthulhu slay, and I'm going in, uh, and and it goes against me, and I get killed. As a player, I'm fine with that. That's just the way it goes. I I accept those risks going into the combat because. The risks are part of what make it exciting. If there's no risk at all, then I'd just be like, Psh, "What's the point?" On this, because uh, we were, oh, yeah. So uh, I was just gonna like bring up almost like the exact thing <laughs> that, uh, that just happened that John was uh, talking about in generic terms. So we were playing uh, his uh, West Haven game, which is uh, this OSR like weird Middle Ages England. But uh, so yeah, basically like. In, in our uh, West Haven game, uh, we spent most of the session <clears throat> in a cave with a whole bunch of cultists and there's a mega demon there. <laughs> and I spent the entire fucking session trying to get the mega demon to like punch my lights out. 
it, it was very fitting uh, that like mo for most of the uh, session, the, the demon just ignored me because I rolled so abysmally and uh, it, it was a very powerful demon, of, uh, like to be sure. But like uh, going back to like fudging dice and like uh, what, what about if your characters are losing? My whole, like I, I was hoping <laughs> that the demon would like just it skewered uh, another character, but I was hoping it would be me because I, I my I find my enjoyment in in that moment where I go like ah I'm a I'm a big dumbass uh, who is mostly motivated by this like psychotic religion <laughs> that he's really into, and like with with that behind me I, I was just like well this is my moment uh, this is my chance for glory I'm gonna challenge this uh, I, that's what I was trying to do the entire session yeah I, I mean challenge the demon. <laughs> Just sort of like give an analogy to that. It was like there's this giant mega demon there, and like Johannes's character was like Scrappy Doo, like saying like you know like put put him up, put him up, let me at him, and that kept trying to. And normally, as a gem, I would have quite happily gone like, oh, there's this de massive demon there with like a huge trident. He's like nine foot tall. You're like attacking him. He's just going to be like that that shoe done. However, literally like, every every time we got round to the initiative of the demon just before some other like character had come like running in and had like do something like ridiculous in front of the demon like one of them like jumped on his shoulders and i'm like right well he was going to attack you johannes but now he's got like someone on his shoulders so he like wants to deal with them first so he'd be like all right that's them down with right i get back to this barbarian in front of me now then like one of the other characters will like slide past him like moon him or something he'd be like right back to that barbarian again and that that's pretty much how the whole scene went but like i, I would have been very happy if uh, John had just gone like, well, I don't give a shit about like whoever is like flashing their bot at me or whatever. Uh, I'm a mega demon, and there's a there's this like heathen barbarian who who doesn't like want to worship me. He worships a different demon, and that's bad. And I'm gonna fucking kill him. And I, I would have been really happy for my character to just up and die because that would have been awesome. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like characters dying as well, in that scene, as Johannes was saying, one of the other characters got like stabbed with a demon with his trident. Then like. He got distracted by somebody else and he literally just like flung this character off his trident like the length of the cave guy's dwarf character hits the wall i'm like right roll d6 damage because you've like flown across the cabin you've hit the wall he's like literally like that takes him to like one hit point away from dying if that had killed him that'd have been it bad times but just due to the dice rolling it was all rolled on roll 20 in front of everybody it was one hit point away now because they've been like intelligent and we've got like an optional rule where you can like bind someone's wounds and they get like 1d4 hit points back and they had a couple of like npc hirelings who they'd left standing at the back to like reload their crossbows and shit like that they see that one of their like employers fall down they're like yeah of course we're gonna go over and bind his wounds and that saved him from sitting out the entire combat but that was because they'd hired these people and got them to stand at the back it wasn't because i'd suddenly like had some npc sprinting from nowhere and be like oh i just happened to have a healing potion there you go yeah exactly yeah hi guys yeah that that was due to their forethought whereas if they hadn't had those guys there he'd have been like unconscious if he'd have rolled rolled more on his damage so i got him to roll the d6 damage then and he'd have rolled enough to like kill himself he'd have been dead that would have been him does this mean that the reason why you guys don't fudge is because of your mastery of your combat system? And if you were doing something where you literally had no idea how the combat system worked, and you're kind of, eh, all right, you wouldn't make it as dangerous. Because as, ma as, good, as, as good as we all are, we all make mistakes. And if you're reading the rules and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, Coriolis, this, this can't be that hard. All right, oh, I just want a percentage to see what happens. Cool. 
oh, it turns out if I roll percentage, you die 30% of the time. Oh, wow, I did not know that. You just died <laughs> like... Well, I mean, again, to use that same scenario earlier, one of the things that happened when I was preparing like the demon stats, because I was taking them out of like the Dark Albion book, is I looked at it and it's like, oh, the demons of this level or above, they're, they're immune to non-magical damage. So they can't be hurt at all by normal weapons. And I'm like, well, that's bad times for the players because they ain't got no magical weapons. Now, I, I could have sort of toned down the demon, but because of where it was in the plot, I wanted it to be like a, a dangerous badass, not like, oh, some like, little imp appears and like, thumbs his nose at you when you kill him. So all I did with that was, I didn't like fudge any dice, but what I did with that was said that the, the demon was kept there by like an amulet that like the cult priest was wearing. So effectively I gave them like another out they could do, which is how they dealt with him eventually. They managed to kill the priest, get the amulet off him, smash the amulet, which dismissed the demon. So they didn't have to sort of like just stand there and like beat it on him with their broadswords. I gave them another option, but they still had to like get past the demon to get to the priest, get the amulet off him, work out how to smash it. So they still had to do the work, but I just gave them more options they could do rather than just like slugging it out with the demon. And it meant I didn't have to fudge any dice rolls. Yeah, I guess, well, you said it already, like everyone makes mistakes and, and I think all of us have come into the realization like before or after the fact that someone's died, like, oh shit. I, I didn't realize that like laser swords were really deadly in this game uh, because they're not in the other game that I play. I tend to not worry about that stuff too much, really. And well, the thing here is I don't play too many games where the combat is so vastly different that I would have to study it for long periods of time. So usually like educated guesses are a thing uh, when you've played uh, a few games, you, you can like, make a stab at it at least but i also like i, I wouldn't mind if i just <laughs> like steamrolled someone like oh shit sorry dude <laughs> but, but that happened well, well yeah i mean to, to to go back to like the west haven game johannes is playing like the only put is like played the only character that's died thus far in the game uh, and that was his first character they they ended up like fighting against a zombie so like a single zombie one one zombie one zombie it the, the the roles went against him. His character got munched by the zombie. That that's part of the danger of combat. If you if you get into combat with something that's intent on killing you, and your luck doesn't bear out or things go against you, that's the risk you take. So, what options do you give characters for a combat or conflict resolution that they do not? Like, if it's clear the villains have the upper hand. The players have lost. There is no combat. There is no, there is no, they can turn this moment around. Either they're losing or they've lost. Other than just death, what option do you give players? For I, I think there's always the option, and a lot of players will take it before it gets to that sort of like shit run one hit point each level. There's always the option of like getting the hell out of dodge. And I mean, I, I think quite often in games I run like, if you've got like, non-combat specialists and like the tides really going against them you'll probably see them sort of start like moving towards the edge of the combat area or like getting ready so they're like oh shit if this really does like hit the fan i'm getting the hell out of here i'm like disappearing into the woods or like hiding in shadows or some bullshit and like getting myself out of here so i think there's always that option uh, in terms of like if the, the player characters have have lost they're sort of down but not quite out there's always the options of like them being like 
taken captive or whatever that, that, that have been used in like a lot of games and then like running a sort of like breakout scenario or but that depends very much on the enemy it's like if i'm if, if you're fighting against a cloud of orc slavers and you like lose it might make sense for the orcs to like take you as slaves if you're just fighting against some like horrible like beast that's just like eating everything it comes across and you're like lying on the floor with like one hit point left like <coughs> then, then that beast's going to eat you there's, there's no reason for it to like take you captive or anything it's going to eat you and you're going to die and i was just thinking about the, the scenario in our star wars game where our dumbasses <laughs> got, <laughs> got arrested by the imperial like customs agents or whatever <laughs> Because we just rolled up and started like lighting the place up, which was dumb. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we we lost that deal. Uh, one of us got thrown in like a what? what like oh, it was an imperial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something, and the rest were taken aboard uh, like a star destroyer and messed with. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's a good example because like I, I firmly believe that like if you if the players like something happens because of like their own choices and then you sort of give them like a get out of jail free card it sort of it means that like if in future they have to make similar choices it doesn't have as much sort of gravitas to it because if you know that you can just like roll up and start shooting up any old town and the gm's gonna sort of like let you get out of it because you're like the players there's no reason not to just like roll up at every time like the guns are like jesse fucking james and be like <coughs> Whereas, like, like yeah, like holding them sideways, the lot, man. Yeah. But it's it's like um, Johannes was saying in that game, they they rolled up to like the Imperial Customs, whooped their guns out, and started like shooting the place up. And the Imperial Customs are like, we've got like soldiers for days and like security guards. You're all under arrest. You're on this prison barge. Bad times. Away you go. And and that's just a consequence of what they've done. I think in the same way as like if the player characters beat an enemy they get like the treasure the loot the reward the the applause whatever they get the good consequences of their actions by the same token if they do something like dumb or something that ends them up in like a ridiculous situation they should also get the bad consequences yeah and like <clears throat> just to like what, what else uh, could you do well like John said, depends a lot on who you're fighting and what their shtick is. If it's a brainless cannibal, uh, they're gonna eat you. Uh, but uh, like starting from like if you're in D and D and it's an ogre, uh, traditionally very dumb creatures in D and D. Trolls also. So you're you're fighting this troll uh, slash like half troll, half ogre, d twice as dumb, and it, like it knocks your ass out and uh, then just goes like. Ugh doesn't taste like food and then just leaves you there and like you wake up a couple of days later and someone stole all your shit and you're, you're naked in the woods going fuck me uh, either or, or, or they could just be like well this is my bridge because I'm a troll right a half troll uh, so this is my bridge here and you were trying to cross it I'm gonna whoop your ass and then just go like well I, I think it died uh, I don't want it stinking the place up so I'm just gonna toss it in the river and then like you just float downstream and like wake up somewhere there I'm like oh shit and uh, then, uh, like the um, uh, like enslavement is obviously a thing, like John was mentioning. But you could also flip it and do the whole like, well, uh, we are from the evil empire now. Okay, cool. So you have lost, and you're our captives now. You have two options: you can die, 
So that's a thing you can do. Or you could join us. Like we have like blaster rifles for days, and you could be shooting peasants with us, and that would be cool, right? And then you're like, I, I guess for a while. <laughs> one, one of the, one of the other good things about um, about these these sort of like no win scenarios that like players get into, it's like some of like the most humorous or sort of like characterful moments can also come out. Of that. I mean. So that was um, Red Eyes Diaries conversation about combat and how it works for the Lloyd. I've been joined by Johannes Barber. And, and obviously I'm John from Red Dice Diaries. Hopefully we'll get to do some more of these in the future. Okay, so there's the bit whereby I say goodbye and then John cuts in and says like the last few lines. I mean, hear that, 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 that music kick in. So, um... so that's it for this episode. If you have any questions or suggestions for things you'd like to see in the podcast in future, please either email them to reddicediaries at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at Anchor. Until I see you next time, whenever you're playing, take care and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.